thank you so much for stopping by my channel. This is The Realist Real Estate Show, and I'm your host, Andrea Fasano. This week's guest is real estate attorney, Jason Gang. Here he is. Uh, my next guest is Jason Gang, a licensed attorney practicing in the states of New York, New Jersey, Kentucky, Tennessee, and soon many others. He is also a real estate broker. He has had his own business, the law office of Jason Gang, PLLC, since 2010. So I'd say he's pretty qualified to speak with. Everybody, please welcome Jason. Hey, Jason, how are you? Hey, Andrea, thanks so much. <laughs> welcome to the show. This is the Realist Real Estate <laughs> Show. So being an attorney, we're going to keep this so real and raw. Um, and it's really important, I think, to have you as a guest on here because so many steps of the process in real estate transactions have to do with you guys. And right. I think for an average uh, first time buyer or even someone new to the game of real estate, it's a very over overwhelming process. And that whole section of it is not really well known. So we're going to have you break it down for us. Talk us through your processes, what um, your job is basically in a sale. And um, yeah, I mean, first let's start off. How'd you become an attorney? Um, there's a lot of school behind it. Um, <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> you know, lots of studying. The bar exam is not a fun experience, but you know, we do what we can. Um, and it's just, you know, something that I always wanted to do. So, uh, I didn't take a break between college and law school, just plowed right through. Uh, and you know, I've been a lawyer for about 10 years now. Wow. So, uh, it's, uh, it's been a long time. So what made you choose real estate law? So actually I've always been interested in real estate. Um, you know, it's a very, it's, it's a very interesting topic to me. Um, a lot of the laws in New York actually go back to, uh, you know, Renaissance England time, because when, when this was a colony as opposed to, you know, the United States, some of those laws did transfer over just interesting, you know, little tidbit. But, uh, when I was in law school, I, uh, I got an honor certificate in commercial leasing, um, I have a certificate in real estate development from, uh, from my law school and it's just, it was my specialty. So it's something that I've always wanted to do. Oh, I love that. And a little history right there. Thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> I was also a history major, so. <laughs> oh, there you go. See, that's great. That makes you an amazing guest. Well-rounded. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> so how do you find the pandemic right now is kind of affecting you and your business um, as an attorney? Does it change things? I know we were talking about you have a lot more Zoom meetings, whereas normally uh, you wouldn't sure. even be talking to people through Zoom. It would just be on the phone anyway. So now right. it's like, well, let's see each other. And what, like, how does that change your business? I mean, for me, the first two months of the year, January, February, were very busy. Um, I was doing probably between five and eight closings a week. Um, in terms of refinances or reverse mortgages or regular transactional sales. Um, I also do real estate litigation. So there was a lot of litigation work that was happening. Um, and then it kind of slowed down, you know, as to be expected uh, in March uh, quite a bit. Um, but starting in April, when the interest rates dropped, it, it almost came right back. I mean, we're doing closings remotely, you know, over Zoom like this. Um, we're doing contract signings over Zoom. I, I have a contract signing right after this, uh, you know, and we're going to do that over Zoom also. Nice. Um, and just because those interest rates really came down and they're so low, it's really enticing people to, to jump into the market. Um, I'm doing probably about five refinance closings a week. Um, I did a couple of reverse mortgage closings this week, um, and I had a couple of transactions last week also. So it's, it's definitely picking back up. 
Okay. So like I said, we're going to break some things down. So talk quickly about, not quickly, but you know, just bare bones about um, what a refinance is for people who don't know and maybe haven't oh, done sure. it before and a reverse mortgage, if you can. Sure. Um, a refinance is something that you would do when you already own the house. Um, let's say you bought the house and the interest rate was 5.5% or something like that. You're going to be paying that rate, assuming it's a fixed rate for the next 30 years or however long the mortgage is. Um, when rates drop uh, to the levels that they've dropped now, I'm seeing them in the low threes. Sometimes it makes financial sense for people to refinance in the middle of their mortgage. It might bump the term out another 15, 20, 30 years, depending on what the deal is, but they typically pay less per month because that interest rate dropped. So they're saving money over time uh, based on that lower payment rate. Um, a reverse mortgage is something totally different. It's usually something that a senior citizen would do um, when they need to, uh, you know, take equity out of their house to sort of live on. So I had one last week. Um, the person was doing it sort of like a line of credit. They were taking out lump sums of cash. Uh, he was taking out $40,000 when he signed the refinance, and then he was going to, to, you know, take out money as he needed it. Uh, the one that I did this morning, she's just going to get a, a fixed payment every month. So she's going to be using it like an annuity. So they're just going to send her however much money it was every month, sort of like Social Security or a, or a paycheck. Mm. Um, so it's just an, an interesting thing that, that you can do when you have the equity in your house to, to support that. And I was going to say, is there anyone particular uh, that you would advise to do that? Is it just someone who has equity in their home? It's generally someone who has equity in their house. Um, people that I do it for basically don't have mortgages on their houses anymore, so they own it free and clear. Um, I don't, that's not necessarily a requirement, but that's generally uh, what, what you need. Um, and, you know. Perfect. Um, so let's break down the closing side of things. You know, you hear from a real estate agent or broker, uh, and you two yourself are a broker. Lawyers am, can be yes. qualified. They can sign a couple of forms and poof, become a broker. So as long, as long as you pay the fees, they'll let you do anything. Exactly. But a really interesting point is you cannot represent someone as a broker and as an attorney at the same time. So if you play the Correct. broker role, you have to get your own attorney. Correct. And you also so you can't represent the buyer. You can't represent the buyer and the seller at the same time. Uh, gen generally, there, there are some exceptions to that, but most of the time not. Very interesting because as an agent, you can, it's called dual agency, but, um, right. you know, it's. There are some per, states where you don't even have to have a lawyer at your closing. I think in Pennsylvania, you don't, you're not required to be represented by an attorney. Um, in New York, you definitely are. Uh, so, um, you know, there's that, but it's varies state to state. I love hearing that because it is important. I mean, not just New Yorkers are going to see this video, you know, so across the country True. for anybody watching, sometimes it's nice to throw those little tidbits in. I did an interview with my mother and she's in South Carolina and the rules are a lot different. You know, she was a real estate agent right. up here and then to go down there, a lot has changed for her. So it's fun. We talk about that a lot. Um, so why- I will say New York is always different. Yeah. Compared, compared to what everybody else does, New York is always uh, a unique situation. Definitely. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> New York, New York. Um, okay, so That's it. like I said, breaking down closing side of things. Um, I want to buy a house. I've talked to my mortgage person already, and I have an accepted offer. I've done the inspection, and now I need to bring you in. So take it from there. 
it depends which side you are. So if you're the buyer, then the buyer generally talks to the realtor. Um, there are usually two realtors in a deal. Sometimes there might be one. Um, I would generally talk to the realtor that represents my client. So if I'm representing the buyer, I talk to the buyer's realtor. If I'm representing the seller, I talk to the seller's realtor. Um, on the realty side of it, there's usually a deal sheet or a term sheet that gets put together with the, with the purchase price, uh, closing dates, parties, uh, property, all of that kind of thing. Um, I request that generally first so I can see what's going on with the deal, what the purchase price is, what the transaction looks like. Um, if I'm the seller, I have to draft the contract, which is proposed and I send it to the other side. Um, if I'm the buyer, I usually make contact, say, you know, hi, how are you? I'm representing so-and-so in their closing. Um, and then they get me the, the contract, which I review with the client. Um, contracts in New York State are, are generally a form that everybody uses. When, when someone doesn't like a provision, they generally cross that out of the regular contract. But every contract has what's called a rider. Um, the seller usually puts in a rider which modifies some terms of the contract. If I'm representing a buyer, I always include a buyer's rider also. Um, and then it's just a negotiation back and forth between the attorneys as to what provisions are acceptable and what aren't. Um, and usually it comes down to what the client is willing to accept or not. Nice. And so you're saying basically the contracts are standard forms and they just, you make edits per se, you know, Generally. depending on what needs to be done to get to closing. Right. And, okay. and we always do writers because, you know, we don't like to mess with the original form because it could be seen as sort of sneaky. Like, you know, you're crossing something out that everyone just assumes is there. Interesting. So, uh, yeah. So why is it so important to have a good real estate attorney uh, over just a general lawyer? Is it just because you know certain sides of the business that other lawyers don't know? And also speak to the fact of like why it's important to have someone you trust. I mean, a lot of people don't just know lawyers in their lives. And, you know, as an agent, we sometimes refer multiple people and say, hey, look into these people, check out their website, give them a call, see how much they are. So how, I, two part question, obviously. <laughs> so, so there's, I can always tell if the lawyer that I'm working with on the other side has done a closing before or is a real estate attorney versus an attorney who has never done a closing before. Interesting. It just comes up, it just comes up with the questions that they ask mm -hmm. and the things that they're looking for in the transaction. And I know what I can get away with and I know what I can't get away with. <laughs> um, it's, it's so important to have a lawyer who specializes in real estate. There are so many things that could go wrong and you have to have the ability to foresee a transaction, what could happen down the line and someone who's not versed in real estate wouldn't necessarily have the ability to do that. Um, you have to remember this is usually the single most expensive purchase that somebody is going to make in their entire lifetime. Houses are hundreds of thousands of dollars, especially in New York, tons of money, it's property taxes, school taxes, everything. It's, it's very expensive to do this transaction. You want to make sure that you have someone that you trust and someone who knows what they're doing so that you don't get in trouble later down the road with something about that. Nice. I'm so glad that you said that because it's so true. It may be the largest person someone does one time and it's a huge decision. I mean, For sure. just <laughs> there are so many parts of the process in addition to just, do you like the house? So it's, it's a big deal. I'm glad you mentioned and if, that. If someone's going to buy one house and that's going to be their house, and this is the only time they're doing that transaction, you want to make sure that you get it right. Mm -hmm. You know, so it's, it's an investment in your future. Is there any advice or any tips you could give someone who hasn't worked with a real estate lawyer before 
what to look for, what questions to ask when they are researching and trying to find someone to represent them? When, when they're looking for a lawyer, you mean? Yeah, like anything specific that you think is really important for a first time buyer or someone just hasn't worked with an attorney in a really long time, these days especially, what, you know, what they should ask them. You know, it, it really comes down to word of mouth and recommendations. I mean, I don't advertise uh, essentially at all. Mm -hmm. um, all of my business is word of mouth. I get referrals from realtors. I get referrals from other clients that have bought houses or sold houses. Um, and that's just a reputation that you earn based on the quality of the work that you do. You know, I've been doing this for 10 years. So, I mean, that, that just comes with time. Um, you want to make sure that you have a lawyer who, you know, is versed in real estate. And, you know, if that's the primary focus area of their practice, you know, that's, that's generally a good sign. If it's someone that's referred to you by your realtor, by your realtor, um, you know, chances are that that realtor has worked with the attorney in the past. They know what they're doing. They know they do a good job. They know what to look for and they know the issues that could come up in that transaction because this, this kind of transaction is also not, you know, an overnight deal. It's not like you'll, you're signing a contract and then the next day you're closing. Like these things take 60 to 90 days to, to come to fruition. So this is, this is a long process that you're involved with the attorney with over a good amount of time until the closing actually happens. So you want to you wanna have someone that you have a rapport with and, and someone who knows what they're doing. Okay, so I know this is an interview, but I'm throwing rapid fire questions at you. And it's because okay. you are so informative. I mean, everything you're saying, I'm just <laughs> like, I'm, I'm throwing down the questions. But you're such an important part of this process. So I, I'm going to take this moment to say thank you because you're already no doing problem. such a great job. <laughs> My um, pleasure. So there's something called uh, a property disclosure form. And mm -hmm. it's on the side of the seller. Can you right. explain what that is? And... Uh, what you would advise seller clients about it and you know to explain it a little bit more I, and i think that's something specific to states like new york as well i don't think all states it's have specific to new york yeah right so a property disclosure form is a form that has to be filled out by law at a closing so what that is is it's generally maybe a three or four page form and it just it's like a questionnaire about your house um, does the house have lead paint? Uh, you know, how old is it? You know, when, when was the roof replaced? You know, various questions about the house themselves. 99% um, of the time, the seller doesn't know the information or doesn't want to fill out the questionnaire. So what they do is they give the buyer a $500 credit on the purchase uh, in exchange for not having to fill out that property disclosure form, and that's acceptable. So I, like I said, nine out of 10 transactions, we just give them a, five, a $500 credit. We don't even ask about it. Now, do you think that's an antiquated system? You know, it's not, I don't think. Uh, you know, the buyer sees the house, they get a visual for it, they have the opportunity to do inspections. Um, you know, if, if it's an amicable transaction, I've, when I bought my own house, you know, we did a, a property inspection and then I asked the seller if I could bring a contractor back just to take a, you know, look at a few things. Yes. You know, they were fine with that. Um, there's always going to be things that you don't find uh, in an inspection or beforehand, and you're just going to find that out afterwards. So that's, it's just the nature of the transaction. Yeah, I asked that question because I've had quite a few conversations about this form specifically, and it's because it takes a lot of the responsibility, or all of it, off of the seller. And in some right. ways, you kind of feel like that's a cop-out, but in others, you're like, hey, for $500, I want to sell my house. You know, like, right. that's... I mean, obviously there's more to it, but to you know, take the that fact is every, you. every closing in New York is an as is closing anyway. So you're always buying what you see. Okay. Um, so the disclosure form is really just a formality, I think. 
All right, well, let's get to closing costs. One of the biggest questions when someone is buying a house, what are my closing costs going to be? And especially, again, a lot of first time buyers don't understand if that uh, is roped into the down payment or if it's something at contract as well, or if it's just at closing. So explain a little bit about what goes into closing costs and how that's determined. So closing costs, just to you know, sort of define it up front for people. Love who it. Not Thank know what you. It is, um, <laughs> they, it's an additional cost that you pay out of the net proceeds of the loan. So what that means is these are costs that are associated with doing the mortgage transaction. They're recording costs. Those are the costs that the county charges to record the deed, to record the mortgage. Usually you're prepaying some uh, portion of your interest on your loan. You're prepaying your taxes uh, to the mortgage company just so that you can build up your escrow if they're taking insurance and taxes to pay that on your behalf. Um, the, the amount of a, of a so-called closing cost, it varies from county to county. It really does. Um, I mean, in Nassau County, where we are in Long Island, closing costs could be fifteen to $25,000. Depends on the, the, the price of the house. It depends on the transaction. Um, if you're in the city, it could be half of that because the taxes are so much lower in, in the five boroughs than they are in Nassau. It's, it's just a trade. Um, it's not part of the transaction. It's not part of your down payment, unfortunately. It's extra money that you have to come up with at closing. So uh, I would say a lot of first-time buyers that I deal with are very shocked when they see the title bill before the closing, and they realize that not only do they have to come up with the rest of the down payment, but they have to come up with an extra $20,000. I always explain that to somebody when we're signing the contract, but 60, 90 days goes by and you forget that we had that discussion. And then when it's time to close, you know, we have it again. So, you know, if you want to close, that's, that's what you have to do. So. Yeah, I, it's a really, really important point to make. And for anybody watching this video, and if you are planning on buying a house, make sure you have extra money. You can never make sure you're cushioned enough uh, for those costs, because it is something that you can't estimate exactly until it's time. And like you said, just to have those 60 to 90 days in between your contract signing and the closing, that is a long time. A lot can happen in that time. And you just have to be prepared as possible. I, I always tell people to budget an extra 25% for closing costs than they anticipate it would be. So if you're, if you're told by the title company that your closing costs are going to be about $20,000, I always tell people to figure that it's about 25, 26. Um, and then at closing, if it's less, it's a pleasant surprise and you didn't need all the money, but at least you have it just in case that you need it. And hopefully you're getting that $500 back. So that's and all they count. Every dollar, right? Every, every dollar. penny, every that's penny. Uh, okay. So let's jump to title insurance. Your favorite. My favorite. <laughs> let's talk a little bit about title insurance, uh, what the title is on a property and how it's your job to, or, you know, to help figure out uh, who has the title. So title is, just to define it again, title is the ownership to the property. Who owns the property? Um, there is something called a chain of title, uh, especially in New York. You're not the first buyer of this house. Even if it's a new construction, someone owned that piece of land before you. Even if it was the government, if it was you know anybody, there's, there has to be some sort of record of who owned that from beforehand. So title insurance is an insurance policy. Um, there's two kinds, so it's very important to know which one you're getting. There's something called um, an owner's policy, which is title insurance that's generally taken out by uh, the property owner versus a lender.
lender's insurance policy, which only protects the lender, which is your mortgage company. It's very nice to have a lender's insurance policy, but it really does nothing for you as a buyer. In <laughs> the bank opinion. makes sure that they're covered. They That's always make exactly sure that they're covered. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. They're very good at what they they're do. They're <laughs> very good at what they do. They've been doing this a long time. <laughs> exactly. So, so, I mean, title insurance basically, like it's an insurance policy. It covers the ownership so that you know that the seller who's selling you the house is the actual owner of that house. Um, you know, they're not just someone walking in off the street and trying to sell you a house. It covers any back taxes that weren't shown uh, on a title search. You know, if, if it turns out that there's a $10,000 tax lien that somebody missed, that insurance policy would cover that. It covers uh, mortgage liens. Uh, you know, if someone probably, you know, maybe they had two mortgages on their house and they only got one payoff letter and there's a second mortgage out there, uh, it's a mistake. And somebody, you know, th this would cover that. Um, it covers, uh, you know, a wide variety of, of, of issues. Um, always, always, always get a title insurance policy. Always. I mean, you'll, you'll have a title insurance from the, from the sale, mm -hmm. um, but they offer you also an owner's policy. And I always recommend that you take that out. It's, it's a minimal cost. I mean, it's not, it's not right. anything near $25,000. So no, in the scheme of things and you hardly it's miss it at that point, it. but it's worth it in the long run for sure. Like I said, this is generally, you know, the most expensive purchase that a person's going to make. So for an extra hundred couple of dollars to take out an insurance policy like that, and it's a one-time cost, it's not an annual cost or a monthly cost. I, I always advise that, that you take that out. Awesome. So we get to the fun part. Any crazy stories of deals gone bad or really fun ones of deals gone well? I have tons of stories. <laughs> I'm sure in 10 years um, of working, but uh, anything that sticks out of your mind? I mean, I have a couple. There were my <laughs> very, very, very first real estate closing. I was admitted for six months. Um, it was these two really old uh, men. They were brothers. They lived together. The parents had passed away. They must have been in their 70s or 80s. And uh, they, there was just two brothers that lived in a house. And they decided together that they couldn't maintain the house. It was two floors. They couldn't do the steps anymore. Um, they wanted to go into a nursing home. So they asked me to represent them to sell it. This house was a disaster and they just didn't know it. They, they were hoarders and there were newspapers stacked to the ceiling in every room of the house. Um, they collected, um, we'll just say bodily fluids oh. and they, they kept it on the steps up to the second level. It was, it was really a mess. Oh, and, uh, how old right, were they? <laughs> they were, they were probably mid to high seventies, which oh, is not gosh. so old, but. No, but I was going to say that's like a nineties behavior yeah their their mental condition was deteriorating mm. and it was it was a really sad situation um but you know they were such nice people and i was happy to do it like i said it was my first closing so what did i know i figured every deal was like that oh, um no. and we we had to get a clean out company to come in and like and clean the house out uh you know before the realtor could even show it Oof. to the public because nobody wanted to go in there it just it had like a smell and everything <laughs> it, that that was a crazy deal um, and that was my first one. So, and, and that was you just, as a, an attorney or as a broker? I, I represented them as seller's attorney. Yeah. And so you got that involved. Yeah. I mean, you have to, 
that's it's your job is not just their attorney you're their counselor you know as yeah. a buyer's attorney i help people with uh, you know setting up vendors that they need for the house if the house has oil instead of gas for heat you know i'll recommend an oil company that i know that that people have been happy with um you know give them advice about turning on utilities or or cable service or you know really anything that has to do with the house i'm very techie so i i have all this smart home stuff around my house so mm-hmm. i always tell people about you know thermostats and cameras and all that kind of stuff uh you know but it's being being a lawyer when you're involved with someone for three months like this uh you know you you develop a friendship with them so it's uh you know it's it's something that you do just you know as camaraderie yeah and the techie part uh i mean for you it's fun but for other people it's energy energy efficient in the long 100%. run, really, mm-hmm. you know, if, you, if they don't know what they're doing and you just advise them on one little thing here and there, it could save them a lot of money in the long run. For sure. Especially the thermostats. I always tell people to get smart thermostats. Mm-hmm. The ability to turn on the heat and air conditioning remotely if you have central air. I don't know. I think it's cool. I do it every day. Oh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, Oh, that funny that story is very funny I, i'm like shocked that, that was your first there, there one that first one there i have other stories also i mean when we bought our house um they did a survey which is uh you have you have a company come out and mark out the property so that you make sure that your property is within your property lines essentially mm-hmm. and they determined that in our backyard uh 18 inches of my backyard was on the other side of the fence on my oh. neighbor's property and so he had 18 inches of my land. So naturally I said, move the fence. I want my 18 inches back. So they said, absolutely not. It's way too expensive to move a fence like that. Mm-hmm. And they wouldn't let us close because what happened is the fence cut off the property line and the bank said, you don't have access to those 18 inches. We're not allowing you to close. So we had to put a gate in uh, and the gate just goes from my backyard to my neighbor's backyard. No one's ever used it. And they said, now that you have access because there's a gate, now we're going to allow you to close. We'll cover the transaction. So there's always something that I've never seen before, or there's always something new that comes up. And like I said, that's why you need someone experienced because you know that's just an issue that'll throw you. And that was my own house that we bought. That's amazing. Who came up with that solution of just adding a gate? Um, I think my attorney did. Really I, I never represent myself in my own closings. So, no, a lot uh, of people you know. would have fought for that fence to be, and then unfortunately maybe would I have did. had a broken fence after the, right. <laughs> take a sledgehammer. So I, I fought for it and they, they shot me down. <laughs> but 18 inches is a lot. So that's, you know. That's right. That it, at lot. least you know, you know it's your property. <laughs> that's, that's all right. that matters. And, and I have a gate for it. So there exactly. you go. <laughs> um, that's so funny. I was just thinking back to your story. I just did an episode on organization. So anyone watching this, if you haven't seen that episode, go back and watch that with Dana Barish. It's very helpful. And if you know any hoarders, it'll help you out. <laughs> I have a very good clean out company now. <laughs> oh, there you go. Exactly. And I'm sure you have people from all ends of the business that you work with. How can someone find you though, Jason Gang? How can they find you to work with you after watching this video? Um, I have a website, jasongang.com. You can call me, email me. All my contact information is on there. Um, I don't know if you're going to post, you know, yeah all of his info will also be in the description below so everyone can check that out uh he's out of long island new york and do you just cover long island or all the boroughs and 
I cover everywhere. And obviously New closings, Jersey and Kentucky uh, and Tennessee. <laughs> wherever you are, I come to you. So we, we are whatever. <laughs> That's so great. Well, Jason gang, everyone, thank you so much for joining me today. Anything else you think you'd like to add that we didn't cover? No, I think, you know, now's a great time to jump into it. Uh, it takes time to find the right home. I mean, for us, you know, it, it took me about six months to find something that we were happy with. So even if you start looking today, you know, it's not going to be an overnight process. You know, I'm very picky. I'm very, uh, you know, uh, specific. Um, it's a process. So, you know, just be patient, bear with it. You'll find something that you like. And, you know, if you decide to use me as an attorney or Andrea as a realtor, you know, you, you have some pretty good people on your team. So that's, that's what's most important is having an, a good team behind you. Absolutely. And we'll be with you forever. Good plug. <laughs> thanks so much to Jason for being a great guest and thanks to you for watching that episode. Make sure to tune in for more. You can check out my playlist and make sure to like this video and subscribe to my channel for The Realist Real Estate Show. Till next time, I'm Andrea Fasano. See you next week.